0: Take your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 16. Your points today, are you're going to get at the end, and they're going to spell out the word no, K-N-O-W, so for those of you that are waiting with uh, bated breath, you know, that's what's going to happen there. Um I call this sermon, The Unknown God. And the question I have for you today, what do you really know? Is it possible to really know God? There are some questions I'm talking about today. Is it possible to know the one true God? And how do people come to know God? Think about that for a minute. What can you really know? Is it possible to really know there is a God? And is it possible to know the one true God? And how, can, how do people come to know God? The one true God. We struggle to know God, we struggle to know who God is, and we choose either not to know and live in ignorance or to know the unknown God. And your action step today I want to give you that you can uh, focus on is know God and make Him known. You've heard that before, there's nothing original about that, but that is the whole crux of life, to know God and to make Him know. And, when you, and, and making Him known means that we go So others can know God. And so we see this in Acts chapter 17 with Paul's encounter in Athens. And right before that, we see a continual process of what's going on here. Paul would preach. People would believe. Others would get mad. He would move on. He would start again. And now he's waiting in Athens for Silas and Timothy. And Athens was a free place with free thinking and free speech. Like to find that today in America. I'm just being sarcastic, but I don't. <laughs> I kind of think we're going the other way now, you know. Um, but that brings us to Acts chapter 17, verse 16. And uh, what's interesting about this? One thing I didn't do with my sermon this week is insert my scriptures into my iPad. So I'm going to, ask to have to physically use my Bible. I know that's just really amazing to you. And so we'll get there and look at this here. Verse 16 in Acts chapter 17 says this, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. Thank you, that's up there. I'd rather read it that way, Rick. Anyway, I didn't put in there. But let's look at this. I want, there's a lot of dynamics that are going on here. And guys, here's what I want you to understand. We're not We're not going to let off on the fact that everybody here that knows Christ has a mission field. Well, I'm old, or I'm young, or I'm whatever. Really? You go places every day, you encounter people, whether it's the same path, and so you need to get this concept, what we're going to look at down, on how to reach people for Christ to help them know the unknown God. So as we look here, notice this. What are you doing while you're waiting? You ever have to wait on anything or wait someplace? What I have learned to do, you you sit there and wonder how I learned scriptures. Well, I've had to wait a lot in different places, and so I would either have the scriptures written on a card in my pocket, and while I was waiting, I would review them. And so many times we get in such a hurry, we say, "I've got to be at a certain place," and God stops us. We need to look around and ask the question. Okay, God, one may not understand right now why you have me waiting here. Maybe to physically save my life. Or the fact that you want me to meet with someone. What are you doing while you're waiting? It's okay to relax and do fun things and play your games on your phone and all that kind of stuff. But we need to be aware. We need to walk around circumspectly and ask the question, God, why do you have me here paused at this time? But so many times... You can be like me, and you walk through life and not pay attention to anything around you. Paul, while he was waiting for them at Athens, because we think, oh, I've got to go do this. I've got to be with uh, uh, Silas and Timothy, and we're going to go on to the next big thing. Well, what does God have for you where you're now at now? Blackaby, in experiencing God, says you do what God has called you to do until he calls you to do something else. But so many times we're on to the next big thing. Notice what Paul's doing while he's waiting. His spirit was provoked within him. I want you to understand this. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. You are still with the Holy Spirit and you need to learn to listen and be led by the Spirit. That word provoked means this. He was irritated. He was moved. I don't think you can be in our society today And if you're waiting and walking around circumspectly, that there's going to be things that don't provoke or irritate you. I'm going to be really careful about that word, irritate. Because so many times when we say we're irritated, we get mad and we do something we shouldn't. But irritation should should cause us to action, to godly action. He's making the most of the time while he's waiting to do something else. He's listening to the Holy Spirit inside him, and it's provoking him as he saw the city was full of idols. Still haven't figured it out. I know God has placed this church here, and it's got good DNA, and it's between two towns, and we need to reach both of them and the area in between. But we need to understand not just Fairgrove, we need to understand Stratford, and we need to understand the people around us. And we need to understand our society Go, going bolder, the Springfield area, and beyond this, our country. And we need to understand, notice the last part. What idols are our cities full of? Well, it's Fair Rome and it's Stratford, really. Idols are anywhere. Idols are anything that we put before God. And so, we need to let the Holy Spirit show us, what are the things people worship. What are the things they put before God? Look at, I mean, I know we're in summer and vacations and different things going on, so I'm not going to hammer on that. Those things are all positives. But we can look at the American church, and I'm not just talking about the meeting time. The church is the people of God. And obviously, there's a lot of things that people are putting before God. We need to walk around circumspectly and look at these things. And so he continued the process. As we talked about that, he was redeeming the time. He looked at what the real problem, what their idols are. What do you see where you're at? Well, I don't do anything. You have got to get real with yourself. And especially, you have a process and something you do every week. And then you have to ask the question, maybe I am limiting myself too much. Maybe I need to step out of my comfort zone. You need to look at the things God's bringing you. I know I talk about when I go fishing, I still, it's still you know, I have to be aware every time, okay, I'm not looking to talk to anybody, I'm not looking to interact with anybody, but it's going to happen, and that's not a bad thing, and I need to be aware of it, and I need to be ready. And so what do you see where you're at? let's see pastor up here no i'm talking about where you're where you're at in your life your monday may be the same way your tuesday your wednesday your thursday your friday saturday or it may be totally different but you have places you go and you need to walk around circumspectly and let the spirit lead you to see with those spiritual eyes what do you see what provokes you to action what's bothering you about christians it's not about being political, we need to be about the Bible, but we, 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 we focus on the outside things and not the, the core problem that people need Christ. And so we get irritated about the symptoms of a deeper problem. need to be irritated that this world is lost, that our country is definitely lost, and we need to be motivated to get to people, to love people. To talk to people. uh, Let's look at the audience. You have the messenger Paul. In this audience you have the religious which were devout. Just because you're religious doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. You had the average citizen that was just there. And you had the the pleasure seekers which were the Epicureans. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. And then you have the, the Stoics that were the joy suckers. You're in a Star Trek, they were the Vulcans. They had no emotion. And then you had the thinkers. Imagine that. We've got all of those people here. Well, I'm not a joy sucker pastor. Well, I don't mean exactly like that. You know who you are or whatever, you know. But it's the fact, those that, you know, emotion. I don't, I don't need that. This is just the way it is. Isn't that amazing how Christ can bring all these different people together for the kingdom? Why do we have four gospels? Because you have four different personalities that God uses to reach people. And so, notice, we don't pick our audience all the time. Paul didn't pick his audience, but he had the religious, the average, the pleasure seekers, the joy suckers, and the thinkers. You need to know your surroundings, and you need to redeem the time, listen, and be intentional, and look around. Just knowing your your surroundings is not enough. It should move you to action. So, let's look at verse 17 here. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Now, we just talked about a few of these people. You had the devout persons, which were the religious people. Notice, see, so many times it's like, I, okay, i got to go witness. So this is out of my comfort zone, but i got to go to the biker bar. Well, unless you are a biker, okay, I don't know that I would start there, okay? But so many times we think I've got to go to the extreme. No. Look, look at the pattern. I'm trying to help you understand a pattern. You always go to the person of peace, the person that has a common ground first, and then whatever God brings to you. Guess what? God's bringing that person to you. So be open to them. He reasoned. He talked. He preached. Maybe argued, not to the violence or that kind of thing. Disputed. Conversed. Debated. Engaged is what that word means. We don't want to do that now. I try to get away from that. Really, why? Because I've said this consistently, most people come to Christ through a long-term conversation with somebody, and if we're not talking to them about the things that we've settled in our lives, how are they ever going to know Christ? So he reasoned in the places where people worship to the Jews and the devout persons, so the Jews that had a God base, and the devout persons that were religious but may not understand about God, and then in the marketplace, every day with those who happen to be there. This is the one that messes us up and that we miss. Where's your marketplace? Will I go to Harder House? No, that's not what I mean. The common areas. Out in life. The people that are there. And notice, every day, you are encountering people, every day. And you need to maybe start the day with, God, help me to see the people you bring in my path. Every day with those who happen to be there. Are they just happening to be there, or does God have them there? And God have you there. You need to understand that. So, notice the various responses in verse 18. Some of the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign uh, 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 divinities like candy because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. Let's go back here. So the first one, the the pleasure seekers and the joy suckers, they were talking with Paul. Some of them said, what does this babbler wish to say? If you look at that word babbler, it means seed picker. There's your new word, hey, you old seed picker. And what does that, hey, <laughs> you old Weisenheimer, you old seed picker, all right, out of your teeth, okay, whatever. Um, here's the deal. What they were talking about, and guys, we have a lot of people like this today. This is what, uh, this is my problem. What bothers me is when a lost person is sharing their belief and they don't think I've taken time to search mine. And so they treat you like this. You haven't had consistent thought you haven't thought about they were saying paul was presenting all these little popular or unpopular ideas and he was putting them into a train of thought but they made no sense but also he's saying there was just no logical thought to it we'll get to that in a moment but they were just saying you're just picking things picking seeds putting them together but you don't really have any depth to what you're talking about you're a babbler you're talking nonsense. There's one thing, I want you to understand, the, Paul's really clear about that. The, the, uh, the wisdom of God is the foolishness of man, to man. But that's not what they're talking about here. They're saying, you've got all these little thoughts that you're picking like seeds and they make no sense, and you have not had a consistent train of thought. This is why we need to be students of the Bible. I don't know how this is going to happen this year, but Midwestern Seminary has now put online courses that churches can take. It doesn't cost anything. We're at least going to offer it once. If there's, if there's those that need to do stuff in the evening, we'll offer them during the evening. I want to find the best time. But there are courses that deal with life stuff taught by professors at the seminary. I, I don't think it's going to be boring but they're dealing with the issues that we're dealing so we can have a complete thought and not be looked upon as seed pickers. Uh, you just know this, you just know that. Boy, there's a lot of seed pickers on social media. I just heard this one thing, and so now I'm going to run with it instead of reading about it. I keep saying this. I don't have stock in the world and everything in it, but if you really want to know about it, things and just hear them, you need to listen to that podcast because you have just people reporting and they also have people that may not be Christians, but they're experts and they're talking about stuff and they're completing a whole thought instead of snippets to get their side, which I feel both sides of the media are doing right now. We don't need to be seed pickers. And guys, I don't want to talk about some of these theories because... They just drive me nuts, but I'm going to have to study them. i might have to see where people are at in order to consistently present the gospel. He's just a babbler. But others, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. This was new. People rising from the dead. It wasn't the fact that people didn't believe life after death, but they didn't believe you would come back. Um, so it took them so they decided okay he's talking about this let's take him to thought court <laughs> let's think about this the aeropagus so they go another level here all right we're going to go to a place where we can get this out here in the aeropagus and so they took him to the philosophers to know how uh, to know uh, the teaching what it had to do with anything it doesn't matter how they respond to the knowledge we need to go Uh, so that they can know. And so we got to go deeper. Let's look at verse 20. So, For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. I keep saying it. I know we've, we've got the core here. But guys, the things we believe about God, if you bring them up to people... I told you I was watching... You know, just a fun reality show the other day. And here you have a lost man that he's explained to a younger man about Moses and the Red Sea. This younger man's in his 20s. Never heard of that. At the end, he said, that's crazy. This is where we're at. Let's just rip off the Band-Aid here. You need... I, I was always open for God to send me and my family to another country as a missionary but my whole life in ministry I've been burdened for the United States and I think now it's the fourth or fifth largest lost nation in the world (sighs) pastor really I want you to think about that it's the truth that's why I've never been led to go to another country because our country is so lost and so the things that we've studied in VBS, if you talk to some of the teachers and when they interacted with those kids, unless they've been in church, all that stuff was new to them. Strange things. Jesus lived, died for our sins, the fact that I'm a sinner. Everybody's okay. And then he rose from the dead and that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and there's going to be punishment, how dare you? And that there's going to be Judgment. Those are strange things to people in our world, in the United States, and everywhere today. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. This is where a lot of us have said, well, I figured it out, so why do I need to explain to you how I figured it out? We've forgotten what it's like to be lost, and we need to remember that. And so strange things hadn't heard, one to know more. As long as they want to know more, you've got to keep going. I said the other day, you know, I... I was with the police cadets and they were talking about a certain subject and I'm just sitting there being the cool guy listening to them and they keep asking me what the Bible said. And I really didn't want to talk about that. Not because I don't want to talk about the Bible, but I was having to tell them the truth of what the Bible says, not what society says. But guess what? That was the door that was open and God told me to go through it. You got to keep going. Verse 21, let's look at that. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. And are we not right there right now? Oh, this new thing, so now this will help us. It cracks me up. Man is sinful, and if you, were, if you fail to understand history, it repeats itself. Man is evil without God And whatever structure that you set up, this is why our founding fathers set up a checks and balances that we're not using now, but had three forms of checks and balances because they knew man was evil and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But where we're at is we're hearing all these new things just repackaged. Because we don't study history, and we don't study the results of history. Let's just get in this for a minute. I'm not trying to get it. But if you study, Stalin killed more people than Hitler. And that was, a, that was a, a new idea. But suddenly, everybody's going to be okay, and everybody's going to be taken care of. There's nothing political about that. The core to it is the fact that man is evil and sinful. His heart is desperately wicked, according to Jeremiah, and we need God. And so, strange new things. Oh, did you hear this new thing? Yeah, I heard it. It was called this back then. You're calling it this right now. Guess what? It's still bad. So, as long as, they, as so, the goal their goal was only to know new things. And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. I don't want to do anything with it. I just want to learn something. They were being seed pickers. I just want to learn something and drop a little bit about what I know so you think I'm hip and cool. They were doing it then. I really feel we're doing it now. But you never know except when it's the truth of God. So look at verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said to the men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. This goes back to what we said In verse 16 and 17, that he went to the marketplace. I want you to understand, so many times we've been taught, I've got to tell this person exactly what to do, and we don't observe. We need to look. We need to listen. He gives us two ears, two eyes, one mouth. Standing in the midst. So many times, I don't want to go there. I don't want to listen to that crazy stuff. And we get behind, the older we get, and I love older people, but I know how I feel too. The older we get, the more we don't want to get through in, in controversial things or have stuff irritate or bother us. But we need to be spiritually irritated. And so what happens is he's standing in the midst of the thought court and he's seeing what they're believing I perceive that in every way you're very religious. You need to understand, they had idols and altars to every god you can think of. And you know what? Greek mythology is very interesting. You know, and and it's intriguing. And the stories behind it are really intriguing. It's all fake and myth and, and all those things. But they had all these different false gods. They wanted to cover every base. But here's the problem. We're not observing. We're not looking. Okay, what is it they're really worshiping? You can, you can understand that with anybody that you come across by how they spend their time. What is important to them? What, what is in them? So he stood in the midst of the marketplace where they were at. Where's that for you? The things, the past that you come across, you need to look. They perceived. he was. That means a spectator. He beheld, he considered. Letting the Spirit move him, he listened, he looked, and now he's going to let them know. We're not... To be tourist. You know how you are when you're a tourist? I'm just watching that. You know, I don't have to be a part of it. Even a spectator can be like that. But what we're dealing with here is the fact that we need to engage. He engaged in their lives, he saw what was going on. And so let's look at the general observation he observed. They were religious, they were superstitious in all things. And he see that he saw that they sensed that there was a supernatural. And boy, that's all over our society. They believe that there's a soul. That there, they believe that there's a supernatural. There's so much false theology and horror movies and in religious movies and all these kind of things. Not all of them, but I'm saying the fact that they're, they're, everybody kind of agrees that there's some kind of supernatural kind of things going on, that there's some kind of higher power. Look at verse 23. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. This is like the third time. Do you think God, God's trying to tell you something? As you go... Passed along. You need to have your eyes wide open, spiritual eyes, and look at the objects people are worshiping. It could be their job, their family, their whatever. Any, none of those things are bad, but when they put them before God, it's an idol. And notice what he found. They had all these, these statues and altars, and they wanted to make sure they didn't offend any god, so they put one to the unknown god. And so now, I want you to understand this. You need, they saw the objects of worship. He saw what was important to him. We need to know what's important to people. This is why we need to listen. We need to engage. You will quickly find out what is important to people. And then he saw this, and that was a bridge. You need to look for that pinch point. You need to look for that stepping off point where you can go from the unknown to tell them about Jesus and that doesn't happen all at once notice he was in the marketplace every day he was waiting with the spiritual eyes and the spiritual ears open he was observing and then he had the time to talk and then he found the bridge and this is why creativity is really important but you don't have to be creative for the Holy Spirit to reach that To reach them. You just need to be able to cross that bridge. You need to find that point and God will show you when you can jump from the general to the specific. And that's what was happening. To connect the conversation to Christ. He said, I'm going to tell you what you don't know. I'm going to show you special revelation, the gospel, the good news, the great commission, mission that we're all called to. You need to be ready. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on the right ways and I don't believe in gimmicks. but you know what? You know, I, I have my, my Bible here that I carry. that's what God's laid in my heart. You have it. Guys, there's too many good witnessing apps, the circle. I've, I've got a bracelet here that I can share when, when God opens it, I've got different and I'm not trying to overload. I'm trying to find the right things. But if you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. If you don't have some starter questions, then you'll never know what to do. And I don't know that I actually have starter questions right now. I kind of go by the Holy Spirit. But one of them can be, who do you believe God is? Or do you believe that there is a God? Or or how do you handle hard things? We get ready for everything else. And then God lays that person on our lap. And we see the bridge to cross. And we're like, uh. ah. The Holy Spirit will help us, but maybe you need to have some stuff ready. There's too many good apps, the circle apps on witnessing, even if you just put the app up and showed the video. I would get more comfortable with sharing, but we don't have an excuse. Look at verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Wow, he ripped the band-aid off that one. You sense that there is a God, that there's a creator, that there's a prime mover. This is a general revelation that there's some intelligence to this creation. But I'm going to tell you who the unknown God is. I'm going to tell you, you can't put him in a temple. Let's go to verse 25. And so... Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. So notice how he's moving from general to specific. You don't need anything. Uh, We have a creator God who made the world. He made everything in it. He's the Lord of all. He doesn't live in a temple. He doesn't need anything from us. And he chooses to be in a relationship with us. He is a giver of life. Look at verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. You know, we get into this, this, this racial discrimination and being at odds. I encourage you to learn Genesis 1.27. We are made in the image of God, all of us. We're all the same on the inside. And we need to lead with that. We're all made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27. And that's what he's doing here. He made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined a lot of periods and boundaries in their dwelling place. And so he's the giver of life. He's also the controller of life. The seasons, the boundaries, everything. He has made them. And then we go into verse 27. The reason. That they should seek God And perhaps fill their way toward Him and find (laughs) find Him. (laughs) Yet, He is actually not far from each of us. I want you to understand this. God is put outwardly in creation. Guys, there's an intelligence. The more we find out about the human body, the more we find out about nature, we see there's no way this happened by chance. There is an intelligence and everything that's made, that is general revelation. And, he, and God put that outwardly in there for everyone to see. That we should seek God. That we should ask the question, Who made this? Why am I here? What is my purpose? They were all asking that there at the Aral They're still asking that now. And so God put in us a desire to seek Him. To go after Him. And perhaps fill their way towards Him. The fact that he, he calls us to seek, to crave, to strive, all in order to find him. God, God's goal was for all to know him. God wants everyone to know him. Look at verse, uh, verse 27, continues to say, the goal is to know, he's not far from him, and he's not hard for them to know. God wants us to know him, to know who he is. Look at verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. I want us to understand what he's talking about. So this creator God, this giver God, this controlling God, he, we live, He gives us breath, true life. In Him we move, we can do nothing without Him. In, whom, in Him we have our being, we exist. God is in all, and that doesn't mean He's in the carpet and the wood and all that. He is the creator, we see His, His hand in creation. But without God's hand on creation, we would not live, we not, would not move, and we would not breathe. And then notice what he did. This is where, I don't mean that you study everything, but he took their common thought, what the poets said, what they saw, that there was some kind of higher power, and he said, even your, your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. We need to find the common ground to get to Christ. And so he's saying, You see that there is some kind of creator and some type of intelligence. Now let's get specific. And so, so many times we don't want to take the time to take that common ground to go to Christ. So he moved from the common belief, creation, the creator, creation, to the specific relationship and belief. Look at verse 29. Being then God's offspring. So notice. You can go back to Genesis 1.27, we're made in the image of God. We're not His children, we're His creation. But He used that point that they recognized that they were God's offspring. So He said, now that we've got that accomplished, that we agree on that. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Moving from general specific, we all agree that there's a, there's a creator, that there's some kind of God. But he's not a God that's in wood and stone that we can worship like that. He's not a God that I bring out in my imagination and I create, which is happening right now. We do not see people making physical idols, but we see people using their imagination to remake God. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, have not, I do not have the right to change God's word. This was inspired by God, given to man to write now. And it is what it is, God's love letter to us. And so this is what we need to be doing. So he was telling him who he is, and he's not a man-made God of our imagination. And then he talks about the times then and now. Look at verse 30. The times of ignorance. God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. I'm still trying to understand this. Because God is a righteous God, and you have to know the one true God. But I go back to those lost nations that I truly believe if somebody wants to find God, they will find God, the one true God. And so the way I take this is not that all those pagan nations are in heaven, but there were individuals that were truly trying to find God, and before the specific revelation of Jesus Christ, that God would make sure that He found them. And they found Him. Those were the times of ignorance. God overlooked. But now, He commands all people everywhere to repent. Ignorant of the knowledge of the one true God, overlooked, didn't judge, but now He commands all people to repent, to turn, and He commands us to go because they don't know, and we don't know know who specifically, but we're called to go. But God knows. Think about that for a minute. They don't know about God. You don't know who's going to choose God. He just tells you to go. He knows. God knows. Look at verse 31. Why? Why the urgency? Because he has fixed a day on which which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The reason we need to go is because the day is fixed. We don't know when. Christ doesn't know when that he's coming back. could be today. On which he will judge the world in righteousness. You don't want God to be fair. You want Him to be just. And He sees everything. We don't. Fairness doesn't cover everything. He sees clearly what's going on. And He's going to judge in righteousness by Jesus, who has been appointed to be the judge. And the reason we know Jesus is God, and the reason we know that Jesus can be judged is because He lived this life perfectly. He died on a cross, was buried, and He rose from the dead. The, the rising from the dead was a sign that he is the righteous God, the righteous judge. We need to, this, the day is set. We don't know. We, don't know uh, we do know Christ will come. And we do know he's going to judge all. Look at verse 32. Notice their response. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. I want you to understand this. This is, you're not responsible for how people respond. And guess what? You're just the warm body there, but they're rejecting Jesus. They're not you. I keep saying it consistently, but you're a mailman. You're delivering the mail. And so some of them mocked and made fun of. This is where the majority of Christians are going to be right now in America. How in the world could you believe something that stupid? That fairy tale. Any of us that have really met Jesus, we know that He's real. We've taken those steps of faith. And we know that He's carried us through. And we believe in the hope of the resurrection. And so there's going to be a lot that mock. Don't take it personally. It does bother me. It bothers me more, not the mocking, but when they don't think I haven't taken the time. Because I'm as serious as a heart attack. I, I don't care that I've been to seminary and all that kind of stuff. If I didn't believe what I, did, what I believe. If I didn't believe in his word, I would not be here today. And I don't think, I know I'm not that smart, but I've looked into it. And I know you've all been the same. You're going to have a lot that are going to make funny, that are going to call you dumb, that are just going to shut you off. Who are they rejecting? Not you. But others said, we will hear you again. We we others said we will hear you again about this. This is why I go back to every, most people come to Christ through a long-term conversation. Let's do the Kenny Rogers theology method. You got no one to hold him. You got no one to fold him. You got to no one to walk away. You got to no one to run. Count your money. Okay. Anyway, what you said. But so many times we think we've been taught in Christianity that I've got to unload the whole apple cart. This is listening to the Holy Spirit. And knowing, hey, they've had enough right now. Let it rest. They want to talk again. Or realizing they don't want it, dust your feet and go on. But so many times, no, you gotta get saved now. You gotta know this all now. Do you like making decisions when you're still contemplating? There is a time you need to make a decision, but we understand that most people don't make a decision until after several times, whether either for or against. That's a positive. And so, some will mock, and some will want more. Look at verse 33, Paul's response. So Paul went out from their midst. This is hard for us. i got to tell you now, you got to be saved now because we're burdened. Or you got to get it. I can't make anybody get anything, but I do need to present them the truth. Go on to verse uh, 30, uh, 34. Notice the result, but some men joined him and believed among them who was Dionysus and the uh, the and, okay, I don't know what team that was, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes and most of the times we won't see that, but we're planting seeds. Joined him. Didn't say, that they, I want more of this. So I want to come to church, or I want to come to this so I can understand. Come let us reason together. And believed. Isn't that awesome? And they had names. And so some believed and some received the saving knowledge. So let's look at a summary here before we... And yes, you're going to get your points. This was last. What can we know about the unknown God? These aren't your points. We can know he's cre- He created all, He gives all, He controls all, He implants in all the desire to know Him internally and externally. He judges all, and He wants all to be saved, and He wants all to know Him. God wants everybody to know Him. So here's your points. What, uh, what do we need to know during these difficult not, uh, times? We need to know and make Him known when, here's your first one, know Jesus is God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He said it. I will say it because he said it. There is no other God other than Jesus. If you're trying to get people to come to God and you don't start by one personally knowing that Jesus is God and your Savior and your Lord, give up. But there's a lot of Christians, oh, there's there might be several ways. No. Then Jesus is a liar. John fourteen, six, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That was his words. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he told the truth. So know Jesus as God. Know Him as Savior. Know Him as Lord. Next, you need the Spirit to guide us. Baptist, you got the Holy Spirit in you. And He's either in the control center of your life or He's in the basement. And you need to learn to listen and be led by the Spirit. And the way you do that is you've got to be in the Word to know the Spirit will never go against the Word and so it's not like you need a definite scripture but when you're fishing or whatever and somebody brings the squirrel next to you I'm talking about a person I shouldn't say it that way but that guy the other day Okay, anyway, <laughs> but they bring them next to you here your dense pastor it's taking them forever still to realize okay it's not just fishing it could be at Walmart boy Walmart that's a trip okay it could be wherever God Holy Spirit what do you need me to do? They're talking to me. I didn't talk to them. They're telling me all this stuff. Well, what do you think's going on there? You need to be led by the Spirit and let him guide you and let him know when to continue and know when to dust your feet. You need to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. And the way you do that is you're in the word, your eyes are open, you're spiritually looking, you're spiritually listening. Next, on mission. I'm not going to stop. We're going to figure it out. But everybody here has a niche. Everybody here has a unique thing, a passion that they have. And we need to understand how we can take that passion and, and put the gospel towards that. What I'm trying to say is the areas that you like to do, whether it may be hunting, it may be fishing, it may be woodworking, it may be crafting, I don't know. But don't you think there's lost people in those areas that that you interact with? And your mission is to get the gospel to them. But so many times as Christians, we walk around like, oh, pastor said I got a witness. Guys, the only reason we're still here is to glorify God and to point to Him. That's your mission. And so many times, we're on the wrong missions. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. talks about that we are to go into all the world making disciples and then Acts 1 8 talks about us going from our family to the familiar to the foreign those are the areas of our mission but how many times are we all going around living like we're not on mission and lastly we need to know when and where to go Paul was waiting he knew when to go further to the Aeropagus. He knew where to go further in his conversation, and he knew when to leave. And we can only do that by being led by the Holy Spirit. But most of us are going around aimlessly. Like, uh, really? I didn't see that. You got to get comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Know Jesus is God. You need the spirit to guide you. You need to be on mission and you need to know when and where to go. And I think I encourage you this week to go back through here and look at this and understand this right here is the template on how to witness. Where's your marketplace? Where are you waiting? What are you doing with that time? Today, this week, this season, what do you need to do with the uh, what you know? You need to know Christ the Savior and Lord if you don't come forward during this time of invitation in a moment and do that. You need to continue to know and grow in the Lord. You need to know and grow in um, your being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, how, pastor? Be in the Word consistently. And begin to ask God to guide you, and He will guide you. Begin to ask Him to open your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears, and He will. And you need to be on mission. Fishing fishers of men that's the only reason we're still here and you need to be sensitive on when and where to go as we stand at our feet this time of invitation you need to come and you need to lay down anything you're carrying other than what god tells you to do and you need to take up his cross and follow him daily and go and know him and make him known. Lord, I pray that you speak to each heart today. I pray, dear Lord, that you encourage us in the areas that we're at to go and to make you known. Whatever we need to be obedient to you today, may we not delay in our obedience, but obey. Lord, if we need to come and just pray at this altar or surrender something whatever we need to do, if we need to take a step of obedience in baptism or membership or whatever we need to do, that dear Lord that we would not delay in our obedience because that's disobedience but that we would know you deeper and that we'd go and make others known. Whatever we need to do today, Lord, may we be willing to do it now. In your name, Jesus. Amen.